A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. This is one of our deep dive episodes, our Bakta Tank of Talk. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Knapsack. I love diving in. It's like a band-aid for your Star Wars soul. And more. It's you. It's enlightening. It's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, yeah, let's see how much we can gently apply the Band-Aid and how much we rip it off. Uh, This is a great episode that we're going to be doing here today, or rather a great topic. Uh, We'll see how the episode goes and let your listeners decide if it's a great episode. I was getting ahead of myself. It's a great topic uh, that that you suggested here, Ken. We are going to be talking about how we processed the passing of Luke Skywalker, the adventure of seeing Last Jedi for the first time and realizing that Luke indeed was becoming one with the Force. Uh, but before we get into that great discussion, we there I go again, promising it's going to be great. I really got a lot to live up to. We're before just, we get into... Go ahead. We're feeling chuffed and confident today. What are you going to say? Yeah, chuffed and confident. Yeah, that's the name of our next podcast. Uh, but we want to let you know, as always, that today's podcast, that you get to decide the quality of a not us, is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from. For your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player this week, we are recommending Tempest Runner by Kevin Scott, a great audio drama High Republic adventure. Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook, but that is not all. Not all indeed. We have another offer from the fine folks at Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books. They are offering 35% off across their website if you use this special link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, The Secrets of the Sith. We just did a deep dive on it a couple weeks ago. Check that out if you missed it or get the book and then go back and check it out. Do you want to know what it's like for Sheev Palpatine to post manifestos on facebook this is the book <laughs> and we absolutely love it so again use that link insideditions.com slash discount slash fc35 and enjoy the secrets of the sith or any of the fine selections there on inside editions joseph excellent can't wait to revisit secrets of the sith I already read it once and i can't get enough mean sheave facebook posts as you so <laughs> thrillingly described Uh, but we're going to move away from the dark side to the light as we talk about Luke Skywalker Uh, we've been doing a couple of these kind of memory episodes walking through what our personal experiences uh, were and hopefully that gets listeners thinking about their own personal journeys as well Uh, a little while back we discussed our memories of the day we saw the Phantom Menace in this episode we're talking about our first viewing of The Last Jedi and processing how we felt about Luke Skywalker becoming one with the Force uh, Ken, you suggested this topic. Oh, why Why was this uh, something that bubbled up when we were thinking about talking about memories uh, of specific moments in Star Wars fandom? Why, why did this one bubble to the surface for you? I think because it's still there. It's still there. It's something I think about often. And, and even though this is a, a, an event that happened while you and I and Jennifer were uh, you know, recording Force Center episodes, uh, it, it's still evolving. It's still something to ruminate on and it's still powerful in a lot of star wars fans life and i'm not just talking about how that boils down into criticisms or praise for the last jedi or even rise of skywalker or the sequel era overall it's big this is luke skywalker this is uh star wars this isn't um you know a comic book series uh not taking shots at dc or mcu but like you know you can kind of reboot uh the new 52 comes along and some of the characters that are dead they're back and we get a new life with them you know this is star wars doesn't approach things that way when Luke died, Luke died. And that still is big and it still weighs heavily. And so, whereas the Phantom Menace one is uh, uh, going back to events that you and I have talked about, but we're long before Force Center exists and there's <laughs> some fun in that. And we're going to do more like that. 
I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm always drawn to this kind of discussion. I'm actually just as fans taking in, and not as pundits and podcasters, that's part of our journey, but as Star Wars fans, what did it do to us? What was it like? And, you know, uh, where, where are we with it now? Yeah, I, I love everything you're saying. And I think what's so uh, valuable to me about these kind of memory topics is just always taking that step back and remembering that uh, we or anybody listening can kind of put on our, our critical hats or capes or lenses or whatever you wear to be critical and and say, here's what worked for me in the film. Here's what I think happened. Here's Here's the evidence that I have from the film. But also just remembering that no matter what, we all process things from a personal perspective, right? What did we eat that day? Were we going through a breakup? Did our car break down? Did we just win the lottery? <laughs> all yeah. those things uh, that are incredibly personal and unique to our experiences, they also affect how we see things. Yeah, this is little. This is less of uh, you and I pulling out the notebook and connecting the big themes and doing what we love doing here at Force Center. It's like you said, it's that like, whoa, that just happened. I'm a fan. This has been something that I've lived with my entire life. And this character is someone that's been around me my entire life. What did that do to us? And I love kind of living in that kind of headspace. Yeah, yeah. So with that, let's dive in. We're going to talk Ken's uh, memories first. Uh, I know you kind of grew up a uh, Han guy. Mm. What did Luke mean to you growing up? There was a point in my life where Luke was uh, the goody two-shoe boring, goody two-shoes boring good guy, right? Like, like I would say that on the playground. Like, I like Han. He's a, little, he's a little rough around the edges. And why? Because I was the goody two-shoe kid that wished I could be a little rough around the edges. <laughs> uh, whereas a lot of people, and I, I know you have a relationship with Luke that maybe you saw a lot of yourself in him, Um Inside and out, uh, I, I I wanted to see myself more in Han. And then, as I said, the joke's on me. I did become a grumpy guy that has a problem committing to bigger things in his life. So um, be careful what you wish for, kids. <laughs> but along the way, especially when uh, Lucasfilm sells to Disney and Star Wars comes running back in and, and you know, we got the, the, the classic characters are coming back, as, uh, Luke became... Um, Someone I was more interested in, in knowing about. And also, I was really happy to see Mark Hamill get this time in the spotlight, which is interesting to say now because we know that that spotlight sometimes uh, was a little uh, grumpy at times or cantankerous or just uh, <laughs> fun and jokey and snarky because that's Mark Hamill. But there was something where I just felt I, I was so interested that Luke was coming back because Mark Hamill had kind of carried the flame of being proud and fan conventions and Star Wars, Star Wars, where Harrison went to be Harrison and, and Carrie, uh, you know, never was shy about talking about Star Wars, but had her own journey, uh, good and bad. And, and Mark was always just, he was the guy that was like, yep, I'm the Star Wars guy. And I just, I felt good. And so it kind of, that caused me to refocus on Luke a little bit more. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And totally understandable that like when, when it gets announced uh, that, yeah, no, the big three are coming back. Right. It, a a yep. part of that is, well, awesome. We we get to see uh, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill in this big role. And amazing that we get to see Harrison Ford as Han Solo. But one of the things that the world was not short on is an opportunity to see Harrison Ford on screen, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that makes a ton of sense that you would focus on uh, on the character of Luke Skywalker, but also the journey of, uh, of Mark Hamill uh, as a person, as an actor, all that stuff. So mm -hmm. when you, obviously, Force Awakens comes out. Turns out to be this amazing, and as Mark Hamill himself has joked, a literal cliffhanger <laughs> of just the the idea of Luke. The, oh, man, what are all, all those flood of emotions at that lightsaber? What does it all mean? As you are going into seeing Last Jedi for the first time, 
What were your specific hopes for the character of Luke, either about his role or his specific survival chances? I've, I always felt the survival chances were slim at some point, right? Seven, eight, nine, and coming out of seven, going into eight or nine. I, I always felt the survival chances were slim, but just just made too much sense, right? If, if we're talking about Star Wars and, and myths. And I think we all had good money on Han going for other reasons there. And that uh, proves to be true. But in terms of, of his hopes, I can't lie. This is another reason I love looking back and just sharing my story. You and I have been doing Force Center along with Jennifer for, for years now. And, and, and fans might have... Uh, you know, listeners might have joined early on and some of you might be the last couple of years. And even though sometimes we might repeat stories, I think it bears repeating of I personally went into Last Jedi uh, expecting Luke to grab that lightsaber and run down the hill. <laughs> I, I was very much on that prediction of, oh, my God, we're going to have him fight the Knights around. Maybe he and Snoke get in a lightsaber battle. One of the old shows I produced, uh, the, the the movie debate show, I I pitched in episode eight, and it had uh, Benicio del Toro as a bad guy because we all knew that was going to happen, and, and <laughs> Kylo was re, you know going to finish his training, and I thought I had like a three way battle for power in my head. I had a lot of those cool ideas, a little bit of the um, swoosh swoosh, but pew 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 kind of like it's Luke, it's the hero of the galaxy, and this is the reason I bring it up, Joseph. This act, this death. And what it did to me as a fan, it really changed me. I felt for better. It caused me to to really look at the themes, a lot of things that you and I were had already been exploring, but you and I and Jennifer started really exploring more around Last Jedi. Uh, and it really changed my focus as a fan. I feel for the better, uh, which doesn't mean all those other things wouldn't have been cool in some way or there couldn't have been powerful themes behind them. But when I really saw, sat with what happened, uh, it all made more sense for me. Got it. Got it. So you, your expectation for Luke was to, to uh, be charging into the action. And then yeah. uh, the fact that he was reluctant to charge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, and obviously that is tied, I think, to all of our reactions to his passing of, you know, yeah. what was this, was this uh, final act uh, in, in, each individual audience member's estimation worthy of the end of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And that's the big question. And there was a point I will say back when I was doing that, that Jedi council program, which was a show that was mostly news and what ifs and predictions. And it was never, we didn't have, it wasn't built to go into the theme. So it's not, that's not me casting shade on the show. It just wasn't that kind of show. And you're driven by clicks a little bit more and about what do you think is going to happen? Not what do you think the theme of this movie is going to be? And I'm just more interested in the themes now. But then, and I said, there was a, there was a point. I almost, as a, at the end of an episode, I said, yeah, I don't, you know what? I'm starting to have this feeling that Luke never leaves the island. And <laughs> that he spends most of the movie there. And uh, I'll put a pin in that of, of, of uh, how that came back to play when I saw the film. But that was, it was weird that that was there for me in the sense of, uh, it could be all this great action or, what if he never leaves? That's <laughs> unlikely. And it just, it was a weird, so it was a different headspace going into the film. Yeah. And it is fascinating. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about how much we as individuals can kind of hold on to what we think or what we want to happen and how much um, in general the marketing has played fair with us. And we have an opportunity <laughs> yeah. to listen, right? Because by the time Last Jedi was coming out, we had quotes about how, you know, like a lot of mentors, you know, Ray, Ray thinks she needs Luke, but then she's really surprised by what she expects. Mm -hmm. You know, that was in an interview uh, we had the trailer out saying, you know, uh, it's time for the Jedi to end, you know, <laughs> right. It, it was not Luke Skywalker saying it's time for the Jedi to kick ass. Right. You know, like <laughs> there were, a, there were a lot of clues for us uh, 
to to build our expectations. Yeah. 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 I, I love uh, I love when you, you bring that up of just sometimes the advertisements going even for a They're not lying. They've been pretty honest. <laughs> he just kind of spit it out. And also, by the way, that's just part of the fun. Whether you're Absolutely. on a show or not or hanging out with your friends, that's part of the fun. And no one should ever hold themselves to the fans of flame, uh, flames of fandom too, too closely over that. That's just part of the fun. I, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Star Wars Episode 10. I'll do it again. <laughs> Star Wars episode 10. I'll do it again. Yeah, I think I'm just interested in how we uh how we go about building our expectations. Are they just mm-hmm. coming from our soul <laughs> yeah. or are they coming from the marketing? Um so you had a great uh experience for your which I'm sure affects on some levels your your initial viewing. You saw The Last Jedi at the premiere, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And was uh this was at the time part of uh, my job with Collider, a complex uh, media and look, it's so funny because that became that's this this is the movie that, that started to become a real problem for a lot of folks, and I, I, maybe it's a chance for me to speak plainly on it. Where that shill stuff started really emerging around this time because Force Awakens was generally well received, Rogue One generally well received. So the fact that uh, some folks in the business uh, with me had gone to those premieres, which is is part of that kind of uh, job uh, covering movies and in, in the movie news, the movie press world. That's just part of the job, and and it, and it is fun, and it is exciting. I'm going to talk about some fun stories and stuff, but there's also just a, yes, it's The Last Jedi, and that's great and exciting, but also there's random animated movie premiere that you go to, and it's almost work, and the food afterwards isn't great. You know, and, and I'm not trying to downplay it, but it's just, it doesn't mean as much as people would think it means, but it also meant everything, because this is the first one I got to go to. I, w- I was a plus one. Uh, I've been to press screenings, which is different. You go onto the Disney lot or, uh, you know, El Capitan and, and you get to watch the movie, uh, you know, and then you're expected to go review it. You're expected to go tweet about it. Uh, and and I, I've had arguments and debates with people of, of, yes, is it fun? Is it exciting? Does it change the way in which you cover it? Uh, believe it or not, not as much as people want to say. Uh, it It is, it, 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 it's it's fun and exciting, but um, I was still sitting there at an, a cool after party trying to process this, not <laughs> tweeting out five stars, action great. Like it was not where my head was at. And it's a different discussion. And sometimes it gets in negative ways, but this was the film where the fact that me and some people I know were at the premiere became a problem for people mm. because they were like, but how could you like that movie? I don't like it. It didn't meet my expectations. Therefore, the fact that you liked it and were there, clearly you were bought off. <laughs> the old Disney checks joke, which, by the way, not one cent has ever gone to anyone <laughs> ever. And and also, by the way, I was, I'd was i go there with people who, you know, particularly at the Solo premiere, was the only other one I got to go to. I sit next to someone who ripped apart Solo. And guess what? Still gets invited. There's no list of you said good things, you get to go. Uh, it's just a list. And that they hope and they would love you to say something nice if you love it, but they know that's not what is always going to happen. So anyways, that was the experience getting there. But Joseph, it was, it was, uh, it was exciting, right? Like I got a Darth Vader suit. Um, we had uh, hilariously, uh, we, we, me and about two or three other people were going to be in a limo, right? Cause we get, got red carpet access. Yay. Um, the wrong a limo got rented <laughs> and we were in a party bus <laughs> with strobe lights uh, like it was a bachelor party, but it was just four dudes sitting there. And we, <laughs> Going to see a Star War. Yeah, and it was so unintentionally comical. Uh, we got denied the red carpet. Because <laughs> they when we pulled up, they assumed 
uh, you guys took a wrong turn and we had to get out and go convince people that we were supposed to be here. I wonder if that's something they deal with, with random limos yeah. <laughs> pulling up like, come on, we're a limo. So we get access, yeah. right? We were dying laughing, but, uh, in a, you know, and, and trust me, we, you're not ro- walking the red carpet with, uh, Daisy Ridley. You're walking the other side with, uh, YouTube reporters. But, uh, uh, it was, that was, that, that was hilarious going into the movie, but that's not about Luke, but, uh, you know, in a way it is about Luke. It's about tempering your expectations and, and, and dealing with what's in front of you. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the part that I, I, I'm interested in, um, in particular, like, no, I know, I love what you're saying about the f- sort of the fallout and, and how, how things soured kind of immediately, uh, after Last Jedi and in, in lots of ways, uh, you know, lots of things were great. Lots of people loved it. We had great discussions. Um, but also there, you know, obviously history, uh, there, a lot of people yeah. were not happy with the film and, and let it, uh, let that be known in lots of ways, including the, you know, real uptick in the shill conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, which for for my money, it's one of those things of like uh, when something makes just a lot of sense. <laughs> that for me is a reason to not look for a conspiracy. Disney wants people to talk about this movie, so yeah. people who have an audience mm-hmm. <laughs> and talk about movies, they would like them to see their movie so they can talk about it. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, that night before that negativity came to it, um, what were you feeling? Right, because. On the were you? I know you were happy to be there, and it was yeah. fun. But did you have any reservations about like? Oh, I wish I was just seeing this in a quiet screening. How, how did the sort of like the hoopla, the event of it, change how you actually saw the film? It was just a, a collected excitement. Uh, I, uh, I I remember walking in, and this and this is that put a pin in that story uh, that I said earlier. Uh, uh, a, a, a gentleman walked up to me and said, Hey, you, you're Ken from Jedi council. And that's always fun. It's, it's cheeky to get recognized, but everybody goes, hi, my, I, I, I think his name was Chris. He goes, I'm Chris Johnson. I'm Ryan Johnson's brother. And I looked at him and I was like, Oh hell he is. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, we, we used to love watching all the shows like to see who's getting it right. And he, and he looked at me and goes, you guys are the closest to getting, getting it right. So he says that before the movie, by the way. <laughs> and so now I'm spinning in my head is he talking about Luke never leaves the Island? And I wasn't spoiled enough, but I just was like, Oh God. And now that my, and my anticipation was building and I was sitting specifically sitting next to Mark Ellis. Uh, and we were like grabbing each other's knees and squeezing them with excitement. Giddy, <laughs> just giddy schoolboys. So that was kind of the mood and atmosphere. But in the back of my head, I'm going, Oh, what are we going to see? This is gonna be something different. Yeah. Wow. That, that is a, <laughs> that is a heck of a thing to hear. Like uh, out of all of the hundreds of things, you said yeah <laughs> on a yeah. youtube show some of them probably thought out and some of them just like in the moment yes some of, <laughs> some of those stupid. are correct and you're going to be finding out in yeah. seconds yeah, yeah. that's weird. yeah no that's really amazing um so then uh, obviously uh uh do you feel like um this isn't obvious so i want to ask a question mm-hmm. there is discussion and i often see it uh from people um who are not necessarily being like really snarky or cynical or negative. Do you feel like there can be a premier bump uh, of people uh, having a, a higher estimation of the film because you are caught up in that event? It's you're not, it's not just the movie. It's yeah. an event. <laughs> yeah. The director's brother is telling you, <laughs> you might've yeah. got some predictions, right? You know, that's not the same as like, ah, I just uh, wandered down to the cinema. Right. 
it, it it isn't the same, and I do I do feel important for me to be honest about that. You do get a little bit of 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 buzz, which is why I personally don't love the let me tweet right after kind of reactions, and and that's kind of expected. It's kind of part of the job, and it can be easily made fun of, and some people do. Is it that Ben Meckler guy who always has funny tweets and is really sarcastic and snarky about it? But it's also part of the job. And you are pressed and, and, and that's what you're there for. So, yes, it does. That's why I like taking a moment. That's why I was never one to just run into a, a, a studio, a YouTube studio right after and do the let's do a reaction because your reaction is going to be said. I didn't see Rogue One at the premiere. I saw it at a press screening three days before it was in the theaters. And I was I thought it was literally the best Star Wars movie I'd ever seen. Now, I love Rogue One. But within a couple of days, my opinion changed where I was like, oh, let me process some of the second act. So but it, it does affect you. How can it? You know, it, it makes you excited. I just think it's important. And I do think most of the people there are, are professional enough to take a breath and get things out afterwards, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I, and I think for me, like a premiere, it's it's no different than seeing a movie that, you know, an old movie that you've never seen. But the first time you watch it. Uh, you watch it at, you know, let's say it's a horror movie and you watch it at a Halloween party with 10 of your best friends. Yeah. That's a different experience than maybe two years later, you watch it by yourself. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, stories change based on when and how we watch them, right? Our, our reaction to them does. Yeah, no, I, 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 absolutely. Seeing a comedy, like I like weird, like I loved the first Hangover in the theater. I laughed my my, my ass off. And I remember watching it on, on DVD when it came out first with my girlfriend at the time. And I turned her at the end of it and I was like, I don't find that movie funny. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. And, and yeah, communal experiences do uh, do affect it. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's dive into your communal experience there. You've uh, you've talked to the director's brother. Uh, you're knee grabbing uh, one of your best friends who's also a huge Luke Skywalker fan. This is, you know, this is the second chapter of the sequel trilogy with the new characters we know too. But it's the, wow, we thought we were going to get a little Luke in Force Awakens. We just got a, a little tease and now this is full time Luke Skywalker. What kind of emotional roller coaster did you go on uh, for Luke in general or in particular for his fate? Uh, it starts right because, you know, and, and I'll, I'll flip this back to you in the second half of the show of like that, that there was an absolute shared, felt, palpable anticipation for what he was going to do with that lightsaber in front of him, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we? It's been two years since Ray held that out to him, and we're just been waiting. The speculation is remember, there were leaks of her first words or his first word, like all those kind of things. And so, that that, that right from the, the get go, and, and uh, he tosses the lightsaber aside, the toss that will be debated forever and ever and ever. Um, it didn't necessarily work for me, and it's still, I still wish he tossed it a little differently, to, if I'm being blunt. I, I still think it played differently than maybe they intended. And you look at the director in the Jedi documentary, they're, they're, you know, they definitely, I don't think they played it entirely for jokes at all. Uh, I'll go to the grave thinking that, but it did kind of end up working that way. And so there was kind of a collective, uh, hush in a way, a collective, huh? <laughs> and that set the tone for the rest of the experience. And I really love the stuff that was going on in the middle here of the film. But then when you, when you get to the end, that's when, that's when the real roller coaster set in the crate stuff mm-hmm. uh, where it was, you know, loops, flips, drops. <laughs> it was everything for my Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, the film, um, 
is trying to tell its own story. And, and it, you know, th- th- there's so many discussions about uh, subverting expectations and, and people who don't like the film and are very negative about it can say just subverting expectations to subvert expectations. I feel like it's not subverting expectations. It's um, ideas being challenged so that by the end of the film, they can be uh, uh, reinforced and triumphed. Uh, but that lightsaber moment is so important uh, to me because it's one of those moments where the film is just telling its story, right? Of if it was a continuous story from Force Awakens of the young hero holds the the saber out to the old master uh, who is, of course, going to teach her the way. And and no, he, he's got his own things he's, he's dealing with. So surprise. That's like the story. But when you're sitting there in that theater, particularly you at the premiere, right? Yeah. That moment is responding to two years of speculation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a huge part of what that that is, right? Like when kids watch this in the future and they're just watching it on a tablet and they finish Force Awakens and they start uh, Last Jedi, it's not going to be anywhere near as shocking because it's not responding to two years of speculation. It's not. It absolutely isn't. And and you're right. And that was the... Um that was the indicator. That was the the third base coach given the sign to steal. It was uh, the play was on, and and that was immediately expectations. Our own personal expectations. Everyone going into that theater, thinking thinking they knew, and who knows? Maybe someone in there in another row was like, "I bet he's going to toss it aside and not pick up the call." I'm sure there were some people who were clued into that. Uh, I wasn't uh, in terms of specific stuff, but that was that was the huh, and that and that's the summary of this first viewing for me is huh. <laughs> and huh is okay. And yeah. I think uh huh is is something that is it's okay for you as a fan of anything to to live with uh, and to process and to think about because we'll get to the the deeper thoughts a little bit later but yeah huh was the uh prevailing thought uh from that moment to the end of the film for me. Okay. Yeah, so l- let's go back to crate. Uh, I was so fascinated mm-hmm. with the the lightsaber toss uh, cuz we got a little time on it now. Uh yeah. but once once we're into the Luke's final act, he's uh, he's confronting Kylo. Uh, what what is your emotional roller coaster at that point? Are you obviously you're watching the story, but how much of your brain is just on is Luke gonna live? Almost all of it. To the, <laughs> and, and that's why that's why he appears, and you're like, oh God, he is gonna save the day. Oh God, hell, we got, he got a haircut, uh, changed his clothes, and all the what I would now probably say are pretty obvious clues that something was different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether or not he actually touched Leia's hand and, uh, you know, remember some debate over that. And, and then, you know, he doesn't make the footprints in the, in the salt, all those kind of things, which looking back now, or you, to your example, a kid on the, uh, the pad, the iPad, watch it the next day. is going to be like, yeah, he's not making a footprint. Um, well, and holding the blade that we just saw get split in two. Yeah. All the pretty obvious signs there are, are, I'm not seeing him because I'm just thinking, this is it. This is the final stand for him. Is is he going to live or is he going to die? And then the roller coaster really started. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm just curious what what would it what was it like? Did you have moments where you thought, yep, this is it, and you braced yourself, or were there moments where you thought he made it? <laughs> Can't wait for episode nine, also starring Luke Skywalker. Yeah. I mean, the sequence is, does does a good job. I was pretty convinced that he was sacrificing himself uh, for one second. Like when, when Kylo's running at him and, and, and eventually that's where, you know, Kylo kind of figures it out. And then, then we, we all get the reveal, but I, I was like, Oh, they're, they're going to do, do that. He's going to be sliced in two. And then he isn't. 
and then the 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 blade you know gets put through the 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 uh, the image of him um mm-hmm. and the entire theater when it cuts to luke you know uh, i can't wait to hear your reactions too in your theater experience but like it cuts to luke on that you know sweating and concentrating on that rock on the island big thunderous applause yeah and I, and, and I, it's one of those things i always said the, the yoda and attack of the clones other moments there where we've all witnessed uh, big applause that somehow collectively seem to be denied by the Star Wars fans <laughs> later on. <laughs> big thunderous applause. It was a big reveal. And then I thought, I literally said these words probably out loud, but no one could hear me in the screaming. Oh, they've done it. He survived. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So you thought victory achieved. <laughs> I thought absolutely. Like I literally went, Oh my gosh, they did it. They did it. He's, he's, he's alive and, uh, going on. And then, uh, within, I don't know what, 10 seconds. I was like, huh? Uh, so when, when he climbs, you know, the scene resolves, he drops, uh, you know, he climbs back up uh, strenuously, uh, to sit on the rock. Uh, did you feel it coming that yes, he is going to fade away? And, And how did that moment, just that actual moment, happened what did you say anything out loud (laughs) uh no no um i i just when when that shot that great shot kind of like you described there the shadow and everything and and he's he's kind of pulled himself back up i was like happy i was happy and and everyone you know if luke survives you should have been happy like that that would have been a great moment i get it uh and i was i was happy and then the moment you start to that that in the pit of your stomach as a star wars fan you're like oh wait oh no 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 and there's oh there's twins He's going, he's going, he's going. Um, when I say the huh returned, it returned in a big way, which doesn't mean I saw it as a negative or, or, or saw it as a positive. I just saw it as what just happened. And then all the last few moments and the last few minutes just kind of came pouring into my head of uh, what, what did I see? And the big question, and it's a question I, I talked about a lot, I ended up writing about of, uh, was I ready for Luke Skywalker to die as a fan, as Ken? Was I ready? Because that's what just happened. Okay. So what, when you went through that question, if you were ready, uh, you, you said your immediate reaction was, huh? Yeah. When you were at this after party, right? Cause you, you go through this thing that that's big for fans. It's, it's yeah. the, the passing of a character that means a lot to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, in a film that is a roller coaster, particularly on the first viewing, did you have any room at the after party to process or were you too busy like eating chicken fingers and, you know, <laughs> uh, watching Gwendolyn Christie talk to people. Uh, it was uh, great taquitos. Um, no, you don't have time to process. And I, I also think this would be true no matter where, wherever you saw the film. And we'll get to your story here too of, of I don't think we had time to process, but especially, and this is where I, I apologize. I'm telling a fun story. Definitely don't mean to do little silly little name drops because they don't mean much, but they're all, they're, they're fun. Uh, I, we all come out, we're at the, U, we're down at USC at the big uh, theater, the big ballroom, everything down there at USC, the campus there where, where Ryan Johnson did go to school. Uh, and we come out, we all, you're all supposed to go downstairs and there's two parties. There's the, the party and then right next to it, red velvet rope and, and the VIP party. Uh, I bumps shoulders. I turn, it's Ryan Johnson. <laughs> next to him is Laura, Laura Dern. And I just look at him and he looked like, huh? Like talking about just um, eyes glazed, <laughs> just like, huh? And I, we have, uh, uh, oddly enough, Ryan and I have a mutual friend, this guy named David Fickus, who's a director, who went to school with his school buddy with him. And David had been texting Ryan moments before the premiere. Mm. 
and told me later on, he says, Ryan just said, I cannot, I just can't believe this. I can't believe this. So that was in his eyes. I looked at him. So here I am going, okay, Luke's, I mean, there's a lot of other things in the movie too, by the way, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm processing all of it. And I look over and I, you have no time to process because the guy who just is making me process it is processing whatever's going on. <laughs> and it does, it does, it, you don't have a chance. And then, you know, I'm with some of the, the folks, a lot, of, a lot of people know the Harloffs and the Ellis's of the world. And our friend Darina was uh, getting us into the VIP side, which was a, a fun experience as well. But before we get it, we're, ha- we're having taquitos because yes. And I'm looking <laughs> around. And I cannot, I can't describe it. You got, you got Chris Taylor, you know, the, the author of how Star Wars conquered the universe, all this kind of, and all these other press people, you know, we all had the same look and vibe. There was chatter, there was conversation, but there was a collective, huh? And the, the best way to describe it is uh, Donald Faison. A lot of people know, of course, voice in uh, uh, Star Wars resistance. He, uh, he had watched it. I can He was kind of a pal with Harloff and uh, was always trying to get on the show uh, when, when schedules aligned. And he, of course, from Scrubs, he's sitting there with um, uh, Zach Braff. <laughs> and so we're just kind of chatting and it's this weird, surreal moment. I'm like, oh, I love Garden State here. And, and, and the, no one could articulate what they'd felt. And there's some negative connotations there and some also, let me just process it. And there was silence. And we all, we all were, I think Alice asked, hey, what did you, what did you think? And all of it was, hey, um, huh. <laughs> You know, and Faison's a giant Star Wars fan. Uh, There's no hesitation to love this stuff. And that was the vibe of everything. So it's a fun, silly story, uh, a little tiny name drop, but it's it's just that, like, that's what all these creatives, you know, Braff's a writer, director too. Like, you know, everyone's probably mulling over their choices in their head. And no, we didn't have a time to process it because you're also stuffing your face, eating taquitos and... (laughs) Hey, there's Kathleen Kennedy and Janina Gavankar and Peter Mayhew. God rest his soul. He was there. Frank Oz was there. And I wanted to def- I wanted to run up and thank him for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Like, so then you get <laughs> lost and then you don't, you don't deal with it. You don't have time to process it. Just like you might be walking to your car with your friends and yeah. really think about it till you get home. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> amazing fun to, uh, you you're calling it out as like eh, it's some name dropping but it's also that like hey uh everybody is human <laughs> you know and uh zach braff doesn't have an assistant to process his emotions so he was eating <laughs> taquitos and processing his luke skywalker emotions too you know yeah yeah it's very very human um and no different i think again like it in if you went to a movie that meant a lot to you with a big group of friends and then it's immediately yeah. uh let's hang out and chat and and you don't really have the room to process it yourself well, it's, it's similar to what you, the, you and I share in the Phantom Menace memories and uh, in parts of the story involving you meet, you're with the friends and you you are all trying to work through what you just saw in 1999. And you don't I don't think you could probably work through it because you're all got you got jokes, you got snark, you got joy. <laughs> it's all mixed into one. Yeah. Yeah. So you framed this question really well of not did it work? What's my review going to be? But you as a fan we all have our individual relationships of what these films, these stories, these characters mean. When and how did you get an opportunity to process how you felt as an individual, you know, never mind the reviews or the debates, but how you felt. It was a few days later. Cause by the next morning you are, you are in the office doing reviews and you, me and uh, Jennifer are getting together to do our reviews. And, and I, you know, had to wait, um, 
at the time, I think the premiere was like a Monday or Tuesday night. And uh, mm-hmm. I know you and Jennifer weren't going to be able to go to like Friday. So I have to sit on it. And I think I was desperately trying to, I forget if you remember our text exchange. I think I was trying without spoiling anything, just being like, go into a bunker and don't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, not trying to spoil anything, but just trying to be like, just you need experiences as pure <laughs> as, you, as you can. Um, if you remember, I kind of remember oh. that. Yeah, no, and I, I had, uh, yeah, I remember after, after the Force Awakens premiere, uh, somebody came out and was like, I'm not, uh, this isn't a spoiler, but it's the uh, weirdest, best, uh, you know, Star Wars uh, end moment you've ever seen. And I was like, that's too much for me. Yeah. <laughs> so for for uh, the rest, I shut off the internet, basically, yeah. for Force Awakens. For, so then especially for Last Jedi, when you were like, yeah, I was, I, I did no looking at social media. I posted yeah. <laughs> and every once in a while I'd have my wife check of like, is there a tragedy going on in the world or can I post a joke? Cause I'm not looking at social media at all. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I, I thank you for uh, supporting in that choice. <laughs> but, but part of that was me and I could, I could, I could go right to the spot where I was. It was in this alley behind the old collider studios and I was getting ready to go in the office. And I, I, it was, it was, it was me as best as I could as, as your pal, not just your force center podcast partner, but put your shields up. Yeah, <laughs> there's a ton of things, and it wasn't necessarily just for Luke, but there's a ton of things that could seep through. I was just like, be, be vigilant as best I could. Uh, but also in there, in, in that moment in the car, I was still kind of uh, not sure what I was going to say on air and review. So it does factor into my this, my processing because I had to I had to then go on and say something. Yeah, <laughs> and I wasn't ready to say it because I didn't fully pick it apart yet. Yeah, you know. So so what did you? What did you end up saying or what did you, what were you feeling? I don't remember. I I mean, I was pretty positive with the movie because I did love the, the the sequence. And I know at one point, I think we got to it eventually on, on force center, but on those shows, you know, it's a little bit more immediate reactions and it's a little more, and it's different personalities and big personalities that uh, from this movie on, I butted heads on over what star Wars was about um, to be blunt. And, and I do remember thinking, Ask yourself um, if Luke Skywalker's got to go. Because, again, I think we all felt it was a safe but at some point during these movies he was going to go. Um, how would you want him to go out? And I was focusing mm. literally about the death. Not necessarily a lot of the themes and stuff behind it, the the, the peace and, and purpose and letting go and the big Jedi stuff, pacifism, all those kind of things that you and I, Jennifer, started to talk about and unpack later on. But in that moment, I was like, if he's got to go, how do you want him to go? Would it make you any be- feel any better if he had been cut in two by Kylo? Would that make you feel better? Is that what you felt he deserved? Uh, or, d- you know, crashing in an X-Wing, uh, d- dying while taking out the Starkiller Base 9. Uh, like, what What would you want to have happened? What do you feel was worthy of that character? And that's where I started the process was to go back to, you know what? Of all the ways that I think I could have dreamed up Luke dying, this is truly the most comforting, if not a little frustrating, but comforting version. And so I started to work back from there. I think that's great because I think it really gets to the sort of the heart of the question of how you responded as an individual person by asking this question ultimately of really what is at stake, right? Mm -hmm. Like if a character dies while you're watching a television show and like, okay, well, that actor's gone and now I don't get to see that character anymore, right? Uh, yeah. That can be like a real literal stake. 
or um, how they, and, for, and it was there for some people of like, how much is he going to be in episode nine or not? Yeah. Um, it, do we only get this amount of time with Luke Skywalker? So I guess that was a, a part of it that's at stake for people. But then you're also bringing up, well, what's at stake is the legend of this character. How is he going to live on mm. in your memory? How, you know, how much of the, um, the meaning of this character is tied up in the way he left this moral realm. And it sounds like that's where you went to of, of trying to figure out for yourself, I'm going to live with this legacy of how the character left this mortal realm. It's important to me, to his legacy and my relationship with him, how he did that. Yeah. Yeah. And then that starts, that starts taking me down the path of the conversations we we're having here in force center and, and, and other places and other people are having them too, of the themes and stuff behind it. And then I started to take the comfort in, in Leia and Ray having the moment. And then I felt it too. And, you know, he died with peace and purpose and it's, it really started to feel right for me. And then, but I wasn't ready, you know? And I remember having a conversation not too long ago with a pal of mine. He used to be one of the writers for um, movie trivia showdown. He was like the head writer for years and he's still hurt about it. He's still kind of angry about it. And I'm so used to upon hearing that in conversation or a, a Lyft driver asked me about, Hey, you like star Wars? Hey, you, you not those new ones. Right. Um, <laughs> we're all used to those kind of conversations. And when he, I remember he said something about it. We're, we're at Wood Ranch with Ellis there. And, and he was like, look, it's fine. I like the movie. I like it. I get it. It just hurt me, man. It hurt me. Cause that was Luke Skywalker. That was my, that was my guy. And that's the, I, I still got that. I still got that. Um, I still get get that gut reaction. It's a really honest reaction because I had that too that night. The huh was, man, that really sucks, man, because it's Luke. And I don't know if I was ready to not have any adventures with him anymore in this capacity, you know? Yeah. How much of it, how much of that feeling of like, okay, I get it, I like it, but that's my guy. How much of that do you feel is the desire to see him in episode nine and how much of that do you feel like is accepting that um, he is a character of fantasy, but he has a definitive end. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with that. Cause again, this is star Wars in that Canon thing. We all love means this is it. This is the answer. Uh, yes. Some characters in star Wars clearly do come back and yes, force ghosts exist. And, <laughs> Um, and then that led me, you know, I was one of the ones too, of like, cool, maybe episode nine, he's all the way through. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, uh, he's a force ghost fighting on a spiritual realm. Like it was like, I was almost still holding on to that. Versus <laughs> the reality was like, he probably appears a couple times in the movie or every now and then to help Ray. Right. <laughs> like that, that kind of was the answer. But in my head, I was like, oh no, it doesn't matter from start to finish. Ghost Luke is a character. Yeah. I, 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 he let go. I love that idea though. Well, Snoke died and so did Luke, but Luke Luke's ghost can still kick Snoke's ghost's ass. Is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is pretty good. Um so obviously you uh processed it. You're still in the, in the process of processing it. Were there any other real specific beats uh on the the path from that night in 2017 till now? Um just Digging in more and more and realizing, I mean, Jason Fry's novelization, that first uh, prologue really helped me uh, analyze just what was, what was there, what was the story. Uh, and then really this is around the time, 2017 now, right? Going into early 2018. 
time flies. Yeah, 2017. Into, it, was a, it was December 2017. Yeah, this is where I really started to change uh, how I looked at Star Wars and how I prepared to watch Star Wars. I was working jobs in which, um, you know, it was more, again, gut reactions, predictions. People are more interested in that. That's what gets you the numbers. Um, it's more, you know, I... I, I still fight when sometimes uh, people are like, I just, I, you know, I wish you and Joseph would be more negative and fight each other over. Ideas. <laughs> Not, I wasn't, I was less and less interested in doing that because it was becoming more real. This is the time where it's bled out of star Wars. It was, as we started to see if some of the people who were attacking this franchise now, it wasn't for anything to do with their fandom. It was to do with bigger agendas. And so that started to really, really, really kind of come to the forefront. And I started to, I almost to a point of laughing going, all those predictions and all those uh, raised parents theories, which by the way, weren't, weren't done. We still have one more movie to get through all that stuff. To me, it was like, it mattered less, but what started to emerge for me was these themes, the lessons, this modern fable that was there in front of me all along. And it made me, one of the things I, I did, it made me go back to return of the Jedi and pay more attention to the ending, which mm. I always, always got, I got it. He threw down his weapon. I get it. I get it. Saves. But to actually really engage more with what was there, because I'll say this often, and I'll say it to people, uh, even in their, to their face outside of uh, podcasting. I think a lot of people miss that in 83 and beyond. And I think this is the first time I had a chance to go back and really say what was there, because what was there was present in episode eight at the end, particularly and it's connective and it's the same character who just went on this journey. And then I, from then on, it just was a different relationship with the death. Yeah. So do you, so you feel like obviously there's a lot in, in the last Jedi that again, my opinion is, is holding up big ideas of star Wars and, and testing them and torture testing them. And, and I feel like by the third act of last Jedi is, is really validating them in that process. Do you feel like Luke's passing is one of the big things that opened your, your mind, your heart, your soul to look at star Wars in a, in a, from a different point of view. I absolutely did. Absolutely did. Including, I mentioned the, 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 the novelization. Remember all of the, um, when that prologue kind of popped out and people were doing the, the stories on it, the titles of the stories were Lucasfilm reveals Luke had a wife. Uh, <laughs> which none of that was true. It was the force getting to this man who had cut himself off from the force. And it was showing about what not getting involved in action, being some sort of action, all those kind of big things we love diving into. And I just started seeing it, engaging it more. And therefore, the more I did, the more I got comfort out of good old grumpy Luke's journey and uh, what it was saying. And I always, I always quote Bresnikan, Anthony Bresnikan's, uh, he had that part of his, his review of the movie where he said, Last Jedi was the first Star Wars film that's just a, as much about growing old as it is growing up. And that was mm. the first time we'd really got to experience that in Star Wars. Eh, episode seven probably had some of that too, but like that was more about dealing with the legacy of, of everything that was before you. But this one was, had a lot to do with the Yoda stuff, uh, the mentors and everything. And I, so that's when it, I, I was, I was there for those conversations, no longer worried about uh, everyone's dreams for Mecha Luke running down. <laughs> no, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, that would have been a different processing if it had indeed been. Mecca Luke. Uh, any other thoughts before we take a quick break? No, no. Thanks to thanks for getting it all off the chest here, man. It's still, it's still, it's so funny. It's still a lightning rod of conversation, huh? You could still have this if you want to engage your Lyft driver in this debate. You can. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, man. Uh, you get, sometimes you got to be careful. <laughs> yes, yes, you, you want to make sure that you end up where you're going and uh, the Lyft driver doesn't just uh, pull over and start talking to you only about Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break, uh, pull over in the Lyft car of our podcast, and then we'll be back to discuss uh, more memories of uh, Luke's passing into the Force. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we are back to continue our discussion about the day and the days after we first saw Luke Skywalker pass into the Force. I am going to uh, pass the uh, the interviewing stick to Ken to discuss my memories. The uh, what if I just tossed it aside and ran out? <laughs> you just walked away, and then I could say uh, one of my favorite Ray lines, uh, Master Dabsock. <laughs> As a is a well, not a porg, most likely a Chihuahua. Looks at the interview. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I know Force Center fans have uh, are definitely familiar with the, your strong connection to Luke going back to childhood. So discuss, let's discuss that, and then take all of your childhood's hopes and dreams into episode eight. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, for me, uh, I've said it many times before. You know, my brother and I—he's uh, three years older—and we kind of we would split things up. So he was Spock, I was Kirk. He was Han, I was Luke. Uh, he was Man at Arms, I was He Man. It was—it <laughs> was usually that my brother just like uh, this, this is the one I want. You you take the other one. Uh, but some of it was also a totally personality based, totally life experience based. Um, and for me, I attached to Luke at a very young age um, because he I just did it literally see myself in him. Um, he was nowhere near as just a big muscle bulging hero is almost all the other heroes. I love comic book heroes, but there was no way I was ever going to look at that, look like that, you know, um, the same thing with like the He-Mans and, and just the amount of like, this is the era of Stallone and Schwarzenegger. And that's what a hero looks like, you know? Um, and I knew much, much like you, I didn't relate to the, the roguish Han Solo thing. I was like, that's cool. I would love to be that. I'm not that. Um, but we know when I was growing up, I had, uh, blonde hair like Luke. Um, he, he did ha- always just kind of have a little bit more of a, you know, that, that aw shucks energy, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, e- even when he's getting a little bit more aggressive and assertive and in danger of being, you know, uh, too angry, uh, giving into fear or anger and empire strikes back. There's still just that sense of like, uh, just a kind, mm. sensitive soul in this relative to eighties action scrawny <laughs> young man's body and that really really spoke to me this idea that you could be kind and sensitive and have true power and then you know as i got older and really identified as a luke guy um that idea that you could have all this power and you could be really sensitive and careful and mindful of how you used it um mm. that stuff was really powerful to me and uh, I think some of that, I you know, I had to kind of go back and analyze and realize that's what's going on. But just on a real practical level, I just, he was the action figure that, mm-hmm. you know, meant the most to me. I wanted all of the Dagobah stuff so I could act out uh, what was going on uh, with Luke. Um, I've told the story many times of, of uh, when I first found uh, a 
Return of the Jedi, Jedi Knight, Luke Skywalker action figure oh, and yeah. the absolute thrill of that figure. And then growing up, uh, his his life lessons from Yoda are what helped me learn how to, you know, do artistic things. So like it, it, I didn't analyze it a lot. It was just sort of like in my mind, in my heart, I was kind of melded with Luke. He was like this example of <laughs> yeah. if I could wave a magic wand and be someone, I'd be Luke Skywalker kind and sensitive uh, and fun but also powerful and makes mistakes but learns from them he he you know there wasn't much of a separation he was at my fantasy version of myself and i i think that's where so many of the strong opinions about last jedi come from is we all have those different kinds of relationship yeah uh, with luke with what he meant and, and that's you know what it was for me he he's you said it he he was my guy <laughs> yeah look it seems like luke found you your brother's dividing up the toys but luke found you and you found luke yeah and i think even if i, I kind of share that is, is a bit of fun uh because even if that hadn't happened i would have gravitated toward luke mm-hmm. in fact very early on uh, my brother had a luke action figure and he was actual luke and my luke figure was duke star killer <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he actually did try to separate me a little bit from Luke, but uh, he relented. He relented. Uh, uh, love this. Before we go into the Disney era, Disney era, and before we go specifically to episode eight, I mentioned it. There, there, I don't think there was a late 80s, early 90s, let's all root against Luke vibe. But I've had this conversation with Mark Ellis before, who is a Luke Skywalker guy as well. And you ask Mark why, and he's like, well, because he saved the day several times. That's <laughs> also why he loves R2. Growing up in the late later 80s, early 90s uh, time frame, you got Air of the Empire coming out, uh, you got Luke. But um, did you ever feel that there was kind of a, a period where Luke was overlooked as uh, a hero of the day for Star Wars and it was more focused on others, including Boba Fett, Han Solo, Thrawn, all these characters that popped up? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um I think when I first started to feel that, because I didn't, uh, when I talked to people about Star Wars, it's just like, yeah, I like Star Wars or, you know, the way I, I would get to interact with it in the mid to late 90s, uh, you know, going into the the the, the special editions and, and the prequel era, um, a lot of it was comedy, you know, and the way that I got to interact with other fans is doing sketches. And, you know, I, I owned so many different black hoodies so I could play Luke Skywalker so I could get to be Luke, you know, well, yeah, <laughs> make that. jokes, you know, but, yeah. but, but like, I remember the day that my, my good friend was like, Hey, you know, in return of the Jedi, when Luke is facing Jabba, everybody says he has his hands interlaced, but he doesn't actually has his, have his fingers interlaced. He's just gently cupping hands. And I was like, holy crap, I never saw that. And the, what it does to you, the difference between interlacing your fingers and putting your thumbs together versus cupping your fingers is such a huge emotional difference. And like, I got, I did that on stage, you know, because I was trying to channel the, I'm at peace, I'm Luke Skywalker. Now here's a funny joke where I say something aggressive, you know? <laughs> well, remember, like Luke for a while was, uh, I'm going to Tashi Station to pick up my power converters guy. He was whiny Luke to a lot. That was a lot of the jokes that I remember hearing on, you know, friends of mine, you know, that's yeah. all it was. That, and that's the thing that really got me. Uh, I would say that this is maybe mm, 2009, 2010. Um, mm. You know, I'm very immersed in the geek world. And I had a friend who was, you know, very into all geek stuff, but lo- lots of, you know, Star Wars t-shirts and, and everything. And uh, kind of made an offhand comment about like, well, everybody knows Han is better because Luke is just whiny. Right. Right. <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, let's talk about this. And she was like, nah, I don't really want to discuss it. <laughs> and, I, I, and then I, I had that conversation a couple of times where I tried to engage people on this sort of emerging Luke is whiny narrative right. <laughs> where, where I really wanted to engage on like, 
it's not weakness that he threw aside <laughs> the weapon. It's amazing. And, and, you know, I saw it as a kid, but as I grew up and thought about it more, it was like, that's truly amazing that that is how he won the day. Like, I have my power fantasy about it. I wish I had a lightsaber and could do giant flips. But <laughs> how amazing is this? And people didn't want to discuss it with me. But there was there wasn't an engagement. That's what I'm saying. Where I really do believe a lot of people missed it. It's like, oh, isn't that great when Luke chopped off Vader's hand? And he got all angry and he won. I mean, he also threw down his weapon and sacrificed his life essentially for his father's redemption. Like <laughs> it's just like, uh, I, and, and you know, again, I'm joking a little bit. People got it, but yeah, you're right. Uh, that became kind of an error. Good old little goody two shoes, whiny Luke wanted to get his power converters, and uh, everyone else was cooler. Yeah, yeah, and I'm talking about like. Not not that I couldn't get people to engage on it at like, you know, I walked into Subway in order to sandwich and then said also talk to me about Luke Skywalker's relationship to power. I'm talking about at like conventions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where a little bit of like, here's the understanding. Here's the, you know, here's the narrative. It kind of settles in and, and you make jokes. And unless you're on a panel that's designed to talk about it, sometimes it's more about uh, the party or the jokes than really digging in. And, you know, part of the reason I bring that up is because that's, one of the specific memories I had when uh, we started doing Force Center of like, finally, we can really talk to people about if, if you think Luke is whiny, great, let's talk about it. Why do you think that? Here's what I think, you know, um, and really happy to get to that point to have those substantive discussions. Yeah, which because the jokes are fun. Uh, I'll make a power station uh, power converter joke, too. But yeah, you know, but uh, there's so much more beyond it there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th yeah, I just want to set the frame of. Uh, uh, of uh, this Luke house we're building with you here as you head towards uh, <laughs> both episodes seven but eight, but coming out of seven, and again we were doing Force Center at this time, but uh, a thousand episodes I can't remember everything we've said and discussed. Here. <laughs> um, coming out of seven, going into eight, you as a fan, as a Luke guy, as a Luke fan, wh where 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 was your head? Yeah, I mean I was so extra hyped about his return because I think I've said this before the uh the 2012 announcement of the sale, uh the announcement of them coming back my first thought was there's going to be a new Luke Skywalker action figure. Oh, <laughs> and I'd gone through a whole thing with uh, a, a Target where my wife and I turned the corner and there was Luke and we did a photo shoot and I, you know I, I had uh two copies of Luke <laughs> uh, already, you know, cause I knew I wanted to keep one in the package and I wanted to open one. So I was so pumped for Luke, but I remember us talking on four center and the things that I wanted in eight was, you know, I w really didn't think he was going to just absolutely go, go. Yeah. Great. Give me the lightsaber. Let's go. I'm, we're going to kick butt, mm. but I wanted Luke to be powerful. Right. I wanted him to do something extremely powerful um fans and and writers often talk about kind of the the superman challenge when you have a character who's really powerful who could probably do almost anything they wanted uh what what holds them back you know mm -hmm. and i wanted to see a story like that about luke skywalker i didn't want to see artificial limits put on him right of like well i'm older and my power is diminished or whatever i wanted him to say i am capable of massive acts of force mastery but I'm wrestling with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I also remember just talking a lot about, I wanted him to be on the Island for a proactive reason. And when we were talking about it, I kind of thought it was more like, well, yeah, obviously uh, things didn't go great. He's upset, but yeah. maybe he has a plan, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> we saw those books in the trailers. Like maybe he's looking for some knowledge, you know? Um, and on uh, first viewing, I, I, I definitely felt like, Oh, I got what I wanted. I saw him do something very, very powerful. It was just from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
ultimately I did feel like, oh yeah, he is on the island for a proactive reason <laughs> because right. he's concerned that the that the Jedi just can't make things right, that they're, you know, risk making things wrong at every move. Um, so I kind of got what I wanted. And I think in some ways, definitely in the power way. Um, so I think that I was already predisposed to be more friendly to the Luke story. Yeah. And because what are you, one of the un- underrated and kind of forgotten things of this conversation is that uh, episode seven puts him on the island and Hosnian Prime is wiped out. Han dies and no Luke. And that's a big question to deal with. So you were picking up on those clues already then. You just, like I said, you, you want Luke to have a plan, want to have a reason. And I thought that was a big challenge for Ryan is to answer what, how and why and why he was there. Um, so did you, did, did, did you pick that up just from episode seven, the ending to get the, him being there? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think that there was that question of like, he, he's so, there's such a slouched energy to him in episode seven. Like, right. is he mourning Han? You know, and there was that whole, like, is that a headstone? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and eventually everybody was like, it was a rock. It was a rock. It's on the Island. Uh, <laughs> you know, so there, there was that question. No, I think I just really, the trailer you know, where Luke Skywalker says, it's time for the Jedi to end. <laughs> I think I really tried to listen to that. I think the tonal thing that surprised me at the very beginning of The Last Jedi was not that he was resistant to training Ray or that he was going through trauma. It was that it started so sharp and so distinctly, right? Mm. I expected, I kind of expected his first line, and I'm sure I had predictions that, that are on, uh, you know, <laughs> digital right. record somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but I expected his him to have a line of like, you know, you don't understand or like, you know, mm. this is a fight I'm w- not willing to have or, you know, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was something kind of poetic and mythic, you know, and uh, that that the shock of him just saying nope and throwing it over his shoulder. Mm. I had to try so hard to divorce the the um what I was talking about with your memories of that is it's easy to make it feel like when he's tossing the lightsaber over that the film is tossing two years of our speculation out yeah. in my opinion it is not mm-hmm. it is just telling its story and if luke is going to say no i don't want to fight i think i will only make things worse if i fight then that's a sharp distinctive uh, you know, engaging way to have him say that. And I, I had to struggle in that first viewing to go like, I understand a lot of the world is going to be mad yeah. <laughs> and feel like that wasn't the character, Luke Skywalker throwing a lightsaber over his shoulder. That was the movie flipping you off for two years of expectations. <laughs> and I, I really, really in my heart of hearts do not believe that's at all what it was. It was just telling that story in a sharp, distinct way of Luke saying, this isn't for me. Yeah, and episode nine is uh, is was written by Reddit. We we've we've definitely known this fact. Um, jumping a little bit here to, to, to going into episode eight. Now we we we've had two years of speculation that the movie's about to toss aside. Uh, um, going in, I can't even remember predictions prediction wise. Uh, it's almost uh, it's funny to think those episodes exist. I, I, I can't. I, I'm going to go back one day. What did you think about the Vegas odds of his survival chances? Where were you at sitting down into that theater? I was really, um, I think that I just didn't, I really thought it was, I thought both were possible. Like I thought that the, the sequel trilogy was absolutely about the next generation passing on, uh, the Harrison Ford thing. Yeah. It famously wanted, uh, um, Honda die in, in return of the Jedi. Um, 
Harrison Ford doing three movies didn't seem likely. And and I went through that roller coaster at in the Force Awakens viewing where I went into that going, yeah, no, it's going to be sad when Han dies. And then I totally forgot until the second he turned and started walking that bridge. I was like, oh, right. Oh, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. right. And I didn't have that moment. Um, you know, mm. I, I guess, I mean, I, I will talk about the emotional roller coaster uh, yeah. of Luke. Um, but going in, I think I, my mind was just more on my excitement of, yeah. of seeing Luke Skywalker and just going, uh, the movie's going to take me where it's going to take me. Maybe he'll make it out of this movie. Uh, but that's not the, po- I guess maybe that's the thing is like, I just didn't feel like it was the point because eventually it was going to be about him passing the, right. you know, the mantle to the next generation. So whether it happens in this movie or that happens in, in the next movie, I don't think I was super preoccupied by that. I, it was yeah. so much more interest in this question of who is he going to be? How is that power that so, uh, uh, you know, identifies him? And our relationship to him, how is that going to be expressed? Yeah, yeah, and and why is he there in that island, and what where, where we're going to go with it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I like I like what you're saying about that. Of just you weren't preoccupied. It was just uh, I, I had no thoughts in my head that episode nine would end with Luke getting another medal. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where did you first see the film? It would be that opening weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was the the Thursday night. Um, got the had Last got the tickets. Night. Yeah, uh, a while back. Um, so Arclight Hollywood, uh, which is currently closed, rumors that the possibility that it will uh, rise like a phoenix, uh, which would be great. Um, but, you know, that is uh, walking distance from my home. It's had uh, been where I'd seen all sorts of uh, movies, Force Awakens I- included. Um, so I was really excited to be there because like I'm home theater, got had seats uh, that I liked. Um, a friend online had advocated that people wear Leia merch uh to the the showing to celebrate Carrie Fisher. Right. Um so uh I had uh, there was a sticker in a book of uh of Leia in uh, Bespin Escape Leia which <laughs> right. I love that look. So I had that um uh, that sticker taped to my lapel so they're like there's a part of me that I think is you know uh, I was ready to process whatever is going to happen to Luke. Thrilled to see Luke but also part of this experience was processing Carrie Fisher's final final performance, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's true. So that was a big, uh, a big uh, uh, part of it, uh, you know. And my wife and I were both just. My wife was so all in on the Force Awakens. She'd always liked Star Wars, but Force Awakens really hooked her. Um, she also, you know, had uh, uh, Princess Leia <laughs> yeah. uh, merch on. Uh, we took photos in the lobby before the movie even happened. With you know, they had Captain Phasma's armor and got a great photo of my wife posing with Captain Phasma's armor. So there's that, there's that excitement and there's that buzz. Um, and the, I, w- I you know, I, I think I was just, uh, you know, so what, what's going to happen with Luke? What's going to happen with Luke? That that was my, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of the way, the right way to phrase this. Um, yeah. I absolutely loved The Force Awakens. But then all the discussion of the way Ryan Johnson built The Last Jedi, I had been so excited about because the way Ryan Johnson talks about constructing uh, stories is is something that really, appeals to me he's he's very thoughtful he's clearly he clearly makes changes along the way but he's very he builds on the ideas right and he's very clear on what the idea is and there'd been a lot of discussion of that the his trilogy had already been announced right right right? (laughs) yes so i just kind of went into this thinking i am gonna love this movie this is i enjoyed uh force awakens very very much but this is luke skywalker's big show this is the movie 
that I, I have been longing for every single time I've played with the Luke Skywalker action figure, every single time I've uh, put on a dumb black hoodie and pretended to be Luke Skywalker for a comedy sketch. <laughs> All of those moments of my personal journey are, are building up to this, you know? Oh. So I think I had, I had kind of, I don't think I had got is, as uh, wound up in the, I'm upset Snoke died because I had a theory or right. I'm upset about it. I, w- I was concerned about other people being obsessed, uh, upset about that. But I was really just in my feelings about um, Luke Skywalker. And then, um, it, you know, it wasn't the, the experience of the premiere, but a, a, a fun and interesting thing was that yeah. uh, Ryan Johnson went around town that Thursday night to different theaters and introduced the film. And for Arclight, uh, you know, sadly, the, the company went under, but Arclight had this very specific thing. They're Arclight employees, and they personally introduced every film, and they they could change the speech a little bit, but the speech was generally the same. You know, it always ended on, if there's any problems, just come to the lobby and find somebody who's uh, who's wearing the shirt that I am, you know, and you could tell the employees who were frustrated stand-up comedians because they would add extra jokes. <laughs> um, and it was kind of, it's a it was a community thing for, you know, it's it's the neighborhood of Hollywood. It's you know the ArcLight and all that, but it's it's no different than anywhere else. It was that's the tradition of your neighborhood theater, yeah, for your neighborhood community. That I'm sitting with all these people from our community, and Ryan Johnson comes out in is the guy who's introducing the ArcLight uh, film, and he doesn't he doesn't introduce himself. He just starts into like the exact speech that he knows by heart because he just goes to that theater. There. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's wearing the shirt, and he's like, uh, uh, "Thanks, this movie is directed by Ryan." Johnson uh it's this runtime which is long so if you need to go to the bathroom you really should now like he's just having a ball with it he's just like uh, you know I made a Star Wars and and (laughs) you know I am the creator of this but I'm also you know there was a real vibe of like I'm the creator of this but I'm also one of you I come to this theater too as a attendee because I love uh movies and I love pretending to be one of the Arclight employees. So it all kicked it off with this, also this just sense of like celebration and fun and love, you know? So it really set me up to like the film and then also be challenged by the film. Yeah. And that's a great environment to be in. And look, there's a, I, I, I personally struggle going to the theaters. I sometimes get anxiety uh, and dealing with fans and, and uh, other other fan, you know, it's like people's opinions. So they can just say them, and they're in the theater, and it can sometimes I get cut off, caught up on it, ruins my experience. But the flip side is going to press screenings can be sometimes a little dour, uh, work related. Um, a lot of people wanting their opinions uh, out on Twitter real fast after, and that kind of can affect it too. But what you're talking about is a real warm, friendly fan environment to go into that film. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know the the. The excitement uh, was was high, and then the introduction was like it was so fun and so charming uh, that I think it really just put all this this energy in the room. Yeah, good energy going into this here, and uh, let's talk about your emotional roller coaster ride here, the e ticket ride of Luke Skywalker's <laughs> fate. Um, moving past the the lightsaber toss and 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 the the, the lessons with Ray and everything. And getting to crate and getting to the end of the uh, of the film, where where were you emotionally? Where were you kind of in your head about uh, the actual plot of what's happening uh, by the time we get to the end here? Yeah, so I mean, I think the power of that film was that 
the things that it did do differently, in particular, having so many um, signifiers that the scene with Kylo and Rey and Snoke had signifiers that made it similar to uh, the throne room scene in Return of the Jedi, right? Mm -hmm. So in particular, that like that scene that like would have traditionally been in, at the end of the third movie is suddenly here in the middle of the second movie. Right. <laughs> things like that, as well as just some of the, kind of the tonal surprises, um, really got me into this great place of like anything is possible, great and frightening place of anything is possible. Um, mm, yeah. I, uh, I remember us talking about, uh, I believed Finn could die. I believe that yeah. Finn could, could fly in to that. Um, so I think it really successfully got me on this emotional roller coaster where I was loving everything I was seeing with Luke. Uh, you know, I was a little challenged by just uh, the intensity of his grumpiness. <laughs> right, right. It made sense to me. It, it, I, I loved everything I was seeing. I was blown away by Mark Hamill's performance, but I still had that, that part of me as a fan that was wrestling with, I love Luke's sensitivity and his kindness and just the, the sheer, a amazing nature of the fact that a movie that came out in 1983 in the era of if there's a problem, a guy with a lot of muscles and guns goes solves it by himself. Right, right. In that era, this kind, thoughtful person saved the day by reaching out in compassion and, and throwing down his weapon. There's that side of it. And then there's that also that side of it of like, he was a power fantasy for me too, you know? Yeah. And I imagined at different times in my life, like, Oh boy, would, uh, this person's really bugging me. It'd be great if I could just give him a little shove. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it'd be great if I had that Luke Skywalker power. Uh, so I had both in me, you know? Yeah. So when Luke is showing up, on crate you know i think there was applause when you know leia said all the hope's gone and the, the, that silhouette and walks out and like yeah here it is here we go and he walks out and they and, and at that point that image where he is beautiful image where he is standing in front of the walkers i really had that moment of like mm. is it going to happen is he going to wave his hand and they're all just going to fall over like dominoes and right. do i want that like I, I literally had both thoughts go through my head of like, it's going to happen. <laughs> right, right. He's going to domino the walkers with a hand wave. And then I also had like, is that really what I want? Mm. Well, and why, go why, ahead. Why, yeah. Why in that moment? He comes out of crate. That's a great excitement. The theater's, uh, you know, picking up in intensity. He pops out, winks at 3PO, which is a moment I love. The great music. I love that trailer music uh, is a little slightly different than the, 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 the stuff that's here when he walks out he's standing before the walkers. Why, what's making you in that moment go yes, but also no. I think yes is just the kind of the, the, that big question that I started with of like, I want to see him be extremely powerful and wrestle with that question of, well, I think fulfilling his destiny, right? Because yeah. we kind of left off of he, he passed his trials. He became a Jedi Knight and then he was going to go on you know, whether you read the EU books or not, or just had your own headcanon imagination, he was going to go on to be Jedi Master, Luke Skywalker, you know, right, right. Uh, perhaps the most powerful force user ever. So there's that, that just that driving desire to see it. But then the, is that really what I want? I was just responding to the storytelling of, of the film mm. that's questioning, mm. what would that accomplish? Great, I knocked these guys down once, right? but why? You know, what what do I get out of that? How do How does that, you know, mm. end the cycle for me, you know, of just the the fast, brutal, direct answer. That seemed to be what had been torturing Luke. So, like, there was that 
I, I, it wasn't fast enough for me to, you know, write this own essay in my head, <laughs> but there was that instinct in my gut of like, that, but that's not how he wants to fight this battle. That, as if it's, uh, you know, uh, that's not the answer. Like you're, as a fan, you're going, well, that, but that's, that's not how this can, is going to end, right? Him, him walking out and just crumpling the walkers into wads of paper and tossing them can't possibly be what he's going to do because that's what he says he shouldn't do. Yeah. Yeah, and that that sort of that that separation between self and the character, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As Luke Skywalker exists, he can be a power fantasy, and I think um, sometimes you know I have had moments where I, I he's more a power fantasy than the the depth uh, uh, of the character. I, I don't think I'm in that place anymore, but I had those moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the film was just doing its work on me of like, but that's not who he is. That's not what he wants. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Uh, right. Indeed. So take me through these beats. Take me through, uh, fire, kill every blaster in the world. Uh, take me through the, 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 the shoulder, uh, flip, flip, yes. the, flick of the dust off. And where, where are you at that point? Right before you, uh, we all learned that Luke, uh, is not actually there. Well, now I could, I, now I, I really believed he could die right now. I'm thinking about it. Uh, and so when there's the barrage of fire, I'm kind of getting like, oh, he didn't wave his hand and domino them, but he's going to do something cool. Cause I don't think it's just going to be like, yeah. <laughs> he's bones, <laughs> you know, he's a smear the end. Right. Uh, so the, uh, the shoulder dust, I loved, I loved it. The, the, the very first time, you know, cause it's, it's a little, it's a little bit cocky, but it's also, it's, it's playing Kylo. It's, you know, yeah, eliciting his fear. Um, and what once Kylo's down on the ground, um, you know, I, I had visceral fear of like, I don't want him to be cut down, you know? Right. Han's violent end made some kind of sense for that character because Han lived his life, <laughs> you know, fast and, and sloppy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he had had this great emotional connection and, and it was shocking in that, but just like, I don't want that for Luke. I don't want to watch him be, cut apart in the, and then the film like while i'm thinking it the film starts having those lines of like you know yeah. if you strike me down in anger you know i'll always be with you with your father so luke's kind of calling out like great you just want to hack me apart but you know yeah that's not going to go great for you mm. so I, i'm going through that and then the moment where we cut to him floating above the rock um yeah. i was so invested in the film i i you know i did have the like why does he have the that lightsaber what's what's the deal yeah. with that like i questioned it um but i spent that whole movie with those questions popping up and trying to go shh, shh, shh. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about youtube reactions later watch the movie um so i questioned it but i didn't you know uh, pull on that thread so when the reveal happens yeah the the, the theater erupted into applause and i gotta say it was probably one of my happiest moments in mm. a theater because just that moment just that shot I was like, any other thoughts I have about this film are secondary to how much joy I have for this moment mm. where yeah. I got what I wanted, which it, it shouldn't just be about what you want, but for my personal journey as a fan, yeah, I got what I wanted. I got both of what I wanted. I got insane power from Luke Skywalker, great, great mastery of the Force, and the absolute depth and the kindness and the soul and the empathy of the character that had also drawn me to him as I got older, right? It was just this amazing victory of pacifism of, I found a way to handle this challenge. 
this immediate challenge, which is I need to save, I, I can't be inactive. I need to save the resistance. Mm. And I found a way for me that works. And it was so immediately in that exact second to me tied to the, the pacifist victory of throwing down his blade that just in that first moment, I was, I was thrilled, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When you say you got what you wanted, yeah, it's not a checklist and, uh, you know, and I'd love, we'll have discussions on times we got things we didn't want in Star Wars. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and for me a little bit, this was, like I said, that's where it started for me. Uh, so, so when, was there any thought that, uh, like the thought I had when, when he merges, kind of gets up catching his breath that he had survived? Did you have that thought at all? Oh, yeah. So that, yeah, I, this was like, I thought I had reached the top of the emotional roller coaster, right? Yes. When he, uh, <laughs> when he's floating above the light side altar, having, yeah. you know, saved people. And uh, later, I, he would, the dime would drop by the end of the film that it was also about inspiration when we see that, yeah. the, the coda to the film. Uh, but at that moment of the first viewing, it's just that he, Luke Skywalker triumphed. Yeah. And I kind of thought, great, off the roller coaster. And then I was like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he falls and he's sweaty. And I wasn't sure what was going on when he was kind of looking at the sun at first. That There was like, there's like this little dark dot in there. And I was like, is there a ship coming for, for him? You know, like, yeah. is the first order going to shoot him down? I remember thinking. And then when he crawled back up, I was like, oh, wow, he made it. <laughs> right. Yes. For just a second. And then as he centered his shoulders and started staring, I was like, oh, oh say no. goodbye. Say goodbye to Luke Skywalker, oh, you know? No. And I think that in, in that initial moment, I was just, I was just overwhelmed, you know? Yeah, this, I was going to say, this is, uh, take me to that moment when he's actually passing away and he's vanishing, uh, robot arm and all. Uh, <laughs> what, what is, what is uh, little Joseph Scrimshaw doing? What, what is uh, the kid of the 80s thinking at this moment? This is your guy, this is Luke. Yeah, I think that I had that like immediate just sort of, okay, so not in episode nine. And then I was like, no force ghost. It's fine. It's fine. Like, I, yeah. I think I really went through that very quickly because it just, it did, it hurt, but it felt right. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It felt, yeah. And I, I got there a lot later, but it, Still feels right for me, but in that moment, for your your entire journey as a fan, it felt right. That's yeah. That's like I'm trying to think of the the right analogy for it. Um, <laughs> this is a weird analogy, uh, but like before I was with Sarah, I had a long term relationship uh, with a great woman. We're great friends now, um, but when that finally ended conclusively, it was incredibly sad. Yeah, but it was right. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I could come up with a better answer than Luke Skywalker's dying was like a breakup, but it was that kind of emotion when, or like when you move away, right? Yeah. Or you know, you you, you leave a, a town that you love, but you've got to go to the next thing. It felt like that. I it, I wasn't just like cool with it right away. It was incredibly painful, but it also mm -hmm. felt right. It well, and, and looking and 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 retouching upon what I ran through my head and eventually got through of what I want to cut in two. Did I want him to blow up in a death star? No, I, I think it is right. And there, there is a lot of sadness to that, but it is us as fans having to let go too. That's one of the big lessons there in that moment is Luke is literally letting go peace and purpose. The, the, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, different way of doing it than the Sith, all that kind of stuff. It's there for us too. I do think it felt right. And that shouldn't have felt easy. Yeah. Yeah, so mission accomplished there. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, film ends. Uh, you uh, you got to walk home to make. Uh, you don't have a lot of uh, jaded press people around you. Uh, <laughs> maybe Zach Braff is there with taquitos, but uh, what's the experience in the theater? Credits rolling, walking out, lobby, hushed conversations. Try not to spoil it for people coming in. Take me through that. Yeah, so uh, my wife and I um, walk to the the restaurant uh, cocktail bar there in Arclight. Um, and we had been done this for Force Awakens, too. We discussed Han's passing in hushed tones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we walked past Colin Hanks. It didn't get his opinions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we, we sit down uh, and, you know, do what we often do, of like kind of take some photos with the cocktails and yeah we 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 discussed it we discussed the whole movie all, all the reactions um yeah just feeling i think really feeling that like uh roller coaster is kind of overused but this film really did feel like a roller coaster right of like like i feel like if my soul has hair it's wild right now <laughs> you know i'm checking my pockets to make sure i didn't lose anything like that's the whole experience of of seeing that film the first time so uh yeah we talked at the restaurant in kind of hushed tones I think I did say, I don't know, maybe I'll just stay here and, and see another showing. <laughs> right. uh, and Sarah's like, you know, we're we're coming here tomorrow at 11 a.m. So <laughs> it would probably be better if you just go home and, and get some sleep. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that we really got to process it kind of in, in whispered, hushed tones. And again, there was also like the the emotion of, you know, you know, to our princess, right. In loving memory. Right. The, yeah. Oh yeah. That, that processing was going on too of that, you know, real life loss. Totally was totally was. No, I think that's a often overlooked uh, experience uh, with last Jedi years on now where that was a big thing coming out of it. The music cue got me tearful. Yeah, everything about it. Uh, so how, it, could you pick up in, on anyone around you working? So I'm sitting here staring blankly at people <laughs> at an after party and none of, none of us really were prepared to deal with it yet. Did you, could you see the faces or hear those hush conversations from anyone else, anyone else? Or was it just kind of you and Sarah huddled in the corner of a restaurant? I think I was so focused. I don't really remember the vibe, which is funny because I do for Force Awakens and I do uh, for uh, Rise of Skywalker. Because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Rise of Skywalker uh, was, uh, I think Last Jedi, I think that was the only thing playing in every theater, maybe one other thing. But the night of Rise of Skywalker was Rise of Skywalker and Cats. So it was a different vibe <laughs> of looking around. Like, I think some people are really opinionated about Rise of Skywalker. Other people are clearly opinionated about Cats. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, it was, it was, uh, I think, I don't think, I, re I don't remember hearing loud, bombastic conversation. Maybe it was there, but maybe it was all hushed tones. But it was, it was, you know, it, it, my memory is intimate, whatever yeah. the reality was. Yeah, interesting. Well, and, you know, that's kind of also the trademark of of Arcalite crowds. They're they're movie fans, generally speaking, who who get it, and they're not going to come out and be Homer Simpson uh, after no. back. <laughs> and those no, things. yeah, no, not um, at all. You mentioned your second viewing here as we wrap up your your experience here, but I'd love to hear before we even get to how you feel about it now. How'd you feel about it the next day and the next viewing? <laughs> right, 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 right then and there, because I think I had to wait a few days uh, before I could see it again. Uh, you, you were right then and there. Did anything change or just kind of confirm and reaffirm things you thought? Yeah, I, I think um, for me, for the actual film, like I, I think I stayed up late writing down thoughts because there was the, you know, we knew that we were going to be discussing it. Um, and, and I don't mean that in any way, like it, it had a practical application of like, I want to remember what I saw. I want to, you know, write down 
little, little moments that I want to clarify. Did I hear that right? Or I kind of think yeah. this connects to this, but do I want to see that? So like I wrote down all these notes, which are, you know, part of my, you know, job for us discussing it on Force Center. Yeah. Um, but it was also me totally processing the film and, and processing Luke's passing. And so I kind of got myself ready to, to truly analyze the film. But then over that weekend, I, I looking back now, I, I looked at some of my photos before we did this episode to confirm my memories. My wife and I just did a bunch to like literally mourn Luke Skywalker. Really? <laughs> like I had forgot that, you know, I had those two action figures and, and, and of all action figures, the Luke Skywalker actions figures for me, they, they are, you know, objects with meaning. They are the holder of the idea of the character. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this new Luke Skywalker action figure had meant so much to me. And I had two, I had one in the package and I had one to open and it just felt right. When we walked home from the arc light that night, uh, my wife made me a, a martini and I, kind of went through the ritual of opening that Luke Skywalker action figure. <laughs> and I got photos of, uh, of Luke and, uh, and the martini, you know? And I think that that's what, what I needed to do to process it. I didn't think about it like this at the time. And I think, mm-hmm. but I think it's the truth now of like, I realized that I felt like sad for me because like, <laughs> yeah, this fictional character I really liked past (laughs) and he'd he'd be in episode nine but it's force ghost now but through this kind of process of mourning him i started just to become happy for luke sad for me (laughs) because i lost luke skywalker as a fan and happy for him because the more i thought about it the peace and the purpose landed right yes and even that morning that friday morning i went and saw it again um i was just like by the time i walked out of that showing it was like Luke Skywalker did not die. <laughs> yeah. He moved on to the next adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Once I was able to sort of separate my initial viewing to just watching the film and that look on his face that yeah. he went from, I got to see, I got to see him be born. Mm. I got to see him go the force. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got to see him, you know, pass his Jedi trials and where does this uh, farm boy from nowhere, who's not sure if he should get involved, where does he end up? floating above an altar to the light side of the force. (laughs) And then in that great Luke Skywalker way, you know, staring into the twin suns and, and looking totally at peace of like, yeah, good or bad. It's who I am. I always stare at the horizon and now I'm going through it. Now I'm going on to the next adventure, you know, giving myself time to be sad for me made me really see what the film was. And, and in my estimation and really, accept it and enjoy it. Again, valuable lessons for us about letting go. It's built into the Star Wars story. <laughs> Miss them, do not. Mourn them, do, do not. But it's hard. And I love uh, the lasting legacy of Last Jedi for me is I do love that the movie does challenge a lot of things we thought or, or, or felt about Star Wars. And like you say, kind of at the end of it, coming back to it and going, yes, these are all these are all things that are present for a reason in Star Wars. And it's okay to, to be challenged uh, by the path getting there so it all kind of makes sense uh it's over i could ask you how you feel about it now but i gotta imagine it's still pretty good <laughs> still pretty good yeah the other thing i wanted to remember because i saw it in my photos uh was by saturday night um i was still processing it and my wife uh, uh wanted to design a luke skywalker cocktail <laughs> uh, to help us process so uh 
she did a really great job making uh, some, I think we called them twin sons cocktails. I can't remember what was in it, but she was really trying to get that sort of like deep red orange. Uh, and I took photos of my Luke Skywalker action figure uh, staring at both of those cocktails, like the twin sons. And I remember really debating it's Saturday night. Is it a spoiler? Right. To post this. And I can't remember if I actually posted it. I think I might have held off and waited until like Monday to post that one. Uh, But I just wanted to share that other memory of like, because I I know I'm really a proponent of it. It always worked for me, but I I had to go through a lot to truly process um, being being okay with it as well. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I, I will always come back. This is part of the reason I want to have the discussion of, especially if you're a force center listener, that's been here the last couple of years, uh, not every final decision we come down on in terms of uh, how we feel about something in a movie or show or a book here is easily attained or, or quickly atta- obtained. It, it is sometimes we, we analyze, we, we experience first as fans and then see where it lands for us. And I think that's part of the journey, part of the journey, I would think and should be. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think one of the other great things about Luke's story that I just continue to appreciate uh, uh, as I watch it in Last Jedi is there's there's this great conversation in The Last Jedi of what is the power of a Jedi? Is it their literal power, their ability to move a rock every once in a while? Or is it that they inspire people by being willing to, to try, even when it's really difficult to live up to these high ideals and set an example of, of being selfless and brave. And for me, if you watch Last Jedi, what's so great about it is it, it says Jedi are both. The practical power matters. That's a responsibility. You can do things other people can't. And it also says the idea of them, the symbol of them is incredibly important. And all that is is tied up in all these great uh, uh, choices that were made with Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Eternally a symbol of hope. I would feel about all of Jedi, but specifically Luke as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, those are my memories. We'll wrap up with a couple questions here. Uh, Ken, we've talked about this before, but I think it's worth revisiting in this context. Uh, We talked a lot just now about processing uh, Luke's passing in The Last Jedi. How did you then feel about Luke's appearance as a Force spirit in The Rise of Skywalker? Uh, Happy to see it, I imagine. With the benefit of time, it all flows for you. Anything that bumps, where you at? I I, I really do love it and love the scene. And and, and a lot of people um, have strong opinions about what they, uh, that scene, uh, the nostalgia of it all. And it's so weird because so many opinions on on, on quote unquote both sides of any Star Wars conversation and they all seem angry. Um, you know, I, I, I will refute to the end of my days, him, him grabbing, uh, the lightsaber out of the air as Ray tosses. It is a continuation of the eight story. As you and I have discussed, it's also confirming that, Hey, Ray, you had the right idea. It just took me a while to get there. You know, deeper discussions we've had and we'll have to have again about it, but everything about it really worked for me. Um, because by then I had processed a lot of what went on with Luke and wasn't by this by the actual time of the movie, because, you know, we have a, a bit of time to go from December 2017 to December 2019. I had I'd really let go a lot of the actual, hey, maybe he's a force ghost fighting on a spiritual realm and maybe we'll have our first uh, ghost lightsaber battle. You know, all those kind of things that had been exciting me maybe early on in 2018 had started to fade away because I felt uh, I felt that wasn't the story. But occasional fun prediction here and there. Sure. Uh, absolutely. But uh, I, I was really kind of content with what we got uh, and, and uh, truly happy about it and truly think that the, the lifting the X-Wing out of the, the water um, worked for me. I know it didn't work for 
other people, some uh, more famously than others. But uh, <laughs> I really love that moment and do look at it as a conclusion to uh, the, 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 the Dagobah sequence in 1980. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, like, yeah, the, you can talk about maybe some of the tonal differences uh, between mm-hmm. Last Jedi and uh, Rise of Skywalker. Don't bug me because I think there are tonal differences between a new hope empire in, in return of the Jedi, particularly empire in return of the Jedi. So I I think for me, if there was anything, it's like, okay, yeah, no, it's a little bit of a different energy. It's a little bit of a different uh, Mm -hmm. mood, but in terms of like the character, the meaning, uh, yeah, the, it is, it is almost funny to me that, you know, depending on the different strong opinion, uh, Luke, Luke say Luke Skywalker touching Mm -hmm. (laughs) that hero's blade, either to throw it away or to catch it are, are lightning rods in both directions. Yes, they are. Uh, but I feel the same way about them. I feel like both times the creators were trying to tell the story of where Luke was at in the most engaging, surprising, uh, way possible. And it is not commenting on any of our, uh, as listeners and fans, uh, feedback. It is a response to Ray offered that blade to him multiple times in the last Jedi. He turned it down. He held it up at the end of last Jedi as a symbol to Ray of you were right. It is a, a Jedi's calling to, to face their fear and to be active and participate and find a way that's right to them. So Luke catching it made perfect sense to me. Um, so I, I really like that. Um, I, I think also I was really ready for Luke to have the size of role that he did. Yeah. Um, boy, did that Rise of Skywalker uh, trailer play fair, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when Luke Skywalker himself is saying, a thousand generations live in you now, but this is your fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that is about as close as you can get to, you know, Mark Hamill himself turning to the camera and saying, I will not be having a force ghost battle. <laughs> yeah. Right. I am the mentor now. <laughs> it, it, that is the, that is the way of things. That is the way of the force, you know? And, yeah. uh, and I love that he is just there uh, to guide Ray. And I, and I love that he reflects on um, the mistakes he made and the mistakes that we get to see him making in the last Jedi. And, and there's so many, you know, admitting that it was fear that kept him on the Island, you know, and yeah. just a, a lot of great, um, ideas that connect directly to um, the arc that we saw him go through in last Jedi to see here's what he has learned. Here's what he died with peace and purpose. He transferred into the force with peace and purpose. And now he has clarity yeah. on what he feels and he can share it with Ray. Yeah. For what it's worth, I, I, I still stand by the decision to uh, have all this big, uh, big stuff with Luke happen in eight and then having, kind of what you're talking about, maybe even our own clarity as, as fans, having that moment with Luke in episode nine, if he had died at the end of nine and then we'd be left without that. Or if he died early in the movie, I don't know if we've had, you know, if he dies in the first act, but he gets his force goes clarity in the third act. I don't think we'd have time to process it as fans. He'd still be processing Luke dying. And now we have a lot of time between the movies or if, uh, like you said, the kid in the future watching it on a, on a phone, <laughs> a few minutes yeah. to process, but at least a different movie to process it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and for me, the the uh, lifting the X-Wing, the X-Wing in Last Jedi had so been a symbol of, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm showing you very clearly that I think uh, stepping away from engaging with the, the galaxy is the right thing to do, that I'm going to park my space car underwater. Yeah. <laughs> and so for me, it, it, it is not just about nostalgia. It's about the, a Jedi does need to take action 
you have to be careful what action you take. Mm-hmm. But I was wrong. In this symbol of inaction, I am now lifting it for you to say you're right to take action of some kind. Yeah, agreed. So we talked a lot about uh, various life lessons uh, that we might have got from from processing uh, this story of Luke Skywalker. Um, was there anything that you wanted to add or summarize and, and what you le- learned personally or as a pundit or anything? Yeah, well, it, personally, it's the idea. I do take the ideas of um, letting go in a lot of different ways. And it's not just about life or death, but careers, stuff like that. Uh, um old habits, things that might hold you back. Uh, fear drives a lot of it. And, and there's, uh, then there's also this idea of letting it go. I, I think that does emerge over time uh, if you allow it to, uh, if, or if you need that uh, particular story from that. Uh, as a pundit, this is the movie that changed me in a lot of ways. It made me more guarded uh, just because of just some of the stuff online. Um, and it made me at times angry. And then I've had to work through that. And then at the end of the day, it is, uh, the force center, uh, um, mantra that, uh, you had put into our, our, uh, our force center verse of, uh, <laughs> engage with the story presented to you that, that, that has never left me. And this is the movie that really forced me to go, what, what did you just see? And what do you feel about that? Not what wasn't there for you, not w- what you wanted there, but what was there and what is it telling you? This is the movie that that really truly began. Yeah, I think that's really great. Um, but I, I think for myself, uh, I really take that life, life lesson of really thinking carefully about how we see ourselves in characters. Um, because you know, I, I saw myself in Luke Skywalker, and, and that was great, and that's one thing that characters uh, can do for us. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also like that, for me, there's a need to separate, right? Right, right. <laughs> and say that, that character is... I, I, it's great for me that I got a lot from his journey and that he helped me. Um, but uh, I want to see that character go on the journey that makes sense for that character. And and I think that's, you know, a little bit what I got by being like, I'm sad for myself. I have to process this by opening action figures and drinking <laughs> cocktails, which is not a bad way to process things yeah. overall. Uh, but I did, I had to go through the sense of loss and I had to go through what does it mean to me? And, you know, this is the legacy of this character uh, it's real important to me as a person, but also that's like that, but it's a, a character and the, the character has to go on the journey that that is going to make the most sense for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing for me is just uh, it, it ended up being, you know, a, a mantra that gets discussed a lot in Star Wars. It's in The Last Jedi that no one's ever really gone. Right. Mm-hmm. Of uh, I've had that a lot in, in, in my life of various pop culture things of, uh, well, I don't want that character to die or I don't want, you know, that actor to stop doing this. So, like that, that fear of loss. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't want that show to go off air. I've talked about before, like a lot of things I like disappeared between 1989 and 1992. And from a pop culture perspective, it's just like, if you love it, it will go away, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is funny now that we live in an era of no matter what it's coming back. Coming. Um, but I think I had kind of internalized a lot of that. Like if somebody takes a character from me, and this really helped me like, huh, yeah. the character of Luke Skywalker is absolutely never gone, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Ken, final question for you. Uh, where do you think his hand went? His metal hand. Metal hand. <laughs> very clearly. It does disappear, but the force, uh, the force is very active on Octo. And poof, it reappeared in that lost and found that the caretakers have. <laughs> <laughs> where Luke's Jedi blade apparently we led to believe is there from the novel. I think it's there. I think it, I think that might be a future Star Wars story 
uh, going back to the lost and found. And just seeing all of Luke's stuff. <laughs> and, other, hey. and other Jedi that have come before. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's his helmet. Oh my, let's, look at all his stuff and other Jedi stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he took it with him. I, I, yeah. I understand, you know, you, you don't want it to clunk. Like, look, if, if the four spirits can take the majority of their clothing... It's true. <laughs> uh, they can also take their metal hands. Uh, I know. Uh, I know. Rise of Skywalker just um, decided not to have this discussion, and yes. we don't see his hand, so we don't know. Uh, but for me, you know, hey, uh, I love the jokes about it. I love the image that uh, we didn't see it, but it did clunk down the hill, and it gently bonked a porg on the head, and then <laughs> the porg flew away with it. <laughs> it's uh, part of a, f- a porg nest. It's it's cupping porglets right now. Like, yeah. I love the jokes. It's great. But also for me, it's like, uh, yeah, it's mechanical, but it's a part of him. It's yeah. a, you know, it's a, it's an idea to him. That hand's been with him through a lot. <laughs> yeah. He learned a lot from that hand. Put it that way. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. So. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that the first few. It wasn't on my mind. I think someone either brought that up or a tweet or something saw it later. I, I hadn't paid attention to that. I was just, I just accepted that all of them went. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we ended our, our deep, thoughtful conversation with uh, with Where's Luke's Hand, because you got to always bring it back to a little bit of whimsy. <laughs> but that's our, that's our big look at our memories of uh, the processing of Luke Skywalker becoming one with the Force. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Absolutely. We are Force Center Podcast. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We are available on a lot of different platforms, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Merch is available. TeePub dot com slash user slash four center and you can support us directly at patreon.com slash four center from there you get into our discord server where you too can talk about what luke skywalker's death meant for you and if you're still processing them uh you can follow me at catnapsock or go to my website catnapsock.com for information on upcoming comedy days including four shows in washington dc in december look for that on there joseph where can they go to follow you yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can go to my website for all my other comedy adventures. That website is josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, uh, for Luke Skywalker floating in the air, this has been Four Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.